0: In the message today, we're continuing the series called Stories That Shape Our Faith as we take deeper dives into accounts from Scripture that we've heard all of our lives. This week, our group's pastor, Jay Fletcher, is covering the story of Jacob and Esau found in Genesis chapter 25. As we listen, our prayer is that God will use His Word to change and challenge us. Good morning, church. Thank you. Thank you. I was wondering, is there anyone out there? And obviously you are now. We are, uh, we are good to go here this morning. Look, it's the official beginning of summer. It's finally here. Amen? I know everybody's excited about that. I'm excited about that. Um, my name is Jay Fletcher. I serve as your group's pastor, and it is an honor to do that. And I am grateful to Pastor Josh for the opportunity to preach uh, this weekend. But as excited as we are, as Miss Barbara just uh, eloquently read God's word and prayed over us, it is uh, Memorial Day weekend. And it's a very somber time. I want us to remember that tomorrow is that that Memorial Day. It's a day that we honor and mourn members of the military who gave the ultimate sacrifice while serving in, in the United States Armed Forces. May their sacrifice never be forgotten. Can we pray again this morning? Father, today we pause to reflect on that sacrifice made by those who paid the ultimate price on behalf of our nation. We pray that their sacrifices are never forgotten nor is the pain of their families. We are grateful for these heroes and ask your blessings on the families that they left behind. We pray that you strengthen and protect all of our military personnel who are serving presently and in the future. Give them the courage to face whatever comes, protect them in battle, bless and encourage them. Watch over their families, Lord, as you watch over us all. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in a 10-week sermon series where we are discovering or maybe even rediscovering some of the stories that shape our faith. So before you preach, you're really supposed to confess, spend time confessing to the Lord and make sure you're really ready uh, to stand before God's people and teach His Word. So I have a confession that I want to start with, and, and maybe you will find yourself in this confession as well. Maybe I'm not the only one that needs to confess what I'm about to confess to you. So these are all extremely familiar stories. I've heard them since I was a little kid. I remember them in Sunday school. I remember them in vacation Bible school. I remember hearing these stories all of my life. And there have been many, many times when these stories would show up in a Bible reading plan or just the opportunity to read through God's Word, and I would either speed read them or I would skip them completely, saying to the Lord, God, I got this. I already know these stories, and I'm just going to move on to something different. Well, I want you to know when we started this sermon series and hopefully all of us have been able to glean some brand new things and be reminded of some things that really matter, God convicted my heart and reminded me that there is so much more to every story no matter how familiar it is. So I I share that with you this morning because I want you to know what God's been doing in my heart and what I found myself doing is after every week digging back into these these messages and and rediscovering some things and then finding these new nuggets that I need to hear for my life right now. We've talked about creation, we've talked about the fall, we've talked about Noah and the ark, Abraham and Isaac, and today we take a look at Jacob and Esau, the sons of a character that we talked about last week. High drama. This could make an absolutely incredible TV series that shows up on Netflix. You've got unbelievable family dysfunction. You have two evil brothers. You have a selling of a birthright for a bowl of soup. But don't miss the main character of the story. It's a loving God that is working out his plan in spite of some crazy circumstances. Turn back with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 25. This is a very long story that we are going to do our very best to hit the highlights of. And I want to encourage you to read through this story today or at some point during this coming week. I want to hit a couple of highlights for you and we'll eventually land to begin in verse nineteen, but verse twenty or twenty-five five tells us that Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. And what we know about Abraham at this time is Abraham is a very very wealthy man, and he was blessed by God in so many ways. Verses seven and eight it tells us that Abraham died at the age, the ripe old age of one hundred and seventy-five years old. Verse eleven tells us that after the death of Abraham. God blessed Isaac, and we pick the story up in verse nineteen. If you'll read with me, these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was forty years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her. Hang on to that, we're gonna come back. That's a big deal. The children struggled together within her and said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided and the one shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so that they called his name Esau. Afterward, the brother, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so this name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So let me point out a few things that are happening here. Rebekah could not get pregnant for almost 20 years. So Isaac did what Isaac knew to do, and that was to begin to pray for his wife to have a child. The Lord would answer that prayer, and Rebecca would conceive. I want you to notice, I pointed it out a minute ago, that these children, the the word is struggling. The children are struggling within her. And I want you to understand the verb struggling is an expression of a violent internal commotion as the unborn children had been dashing against one another in her womb. Dashing means to throw something against something else. Can you imagine that going on inside? You can't Google it. You can't pick up the phone and call the doctor. But she's got all of this going on inside of her. The Lord responds as she asks the Lord, God, what's going on inside of me? Here's what the Lord says to her. There are two nations in your womb, and two people within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. That's God's response to her. Can you imagine how overwhelming that must be? How confusing that must be to her as she's trying to wrestle with what is it that is going on inside of my body? Now, let's break that down and let me explain to you what's happening there. The Lord is telling her that there are two rival nations inside of her body, Israel and Edom. And they are struggling within. The two will be divided. One will be stronger than the other. And the older will serve the younger. This was not the original design back in Old Testament family days for it to work like this. But I want you to watch God's hand in this all the way through. The strife between Rebekah's sons that began at birth would continue on in their lives. Much of the suffering of the Israelites, that's Jacob's descendants, would come at the hands of the Edomites who are Esau's descendants. Esau is born first. Did you catch the description when we read it a few minutes ago? Hairy and red. Anybody want that description of you? Hairy and red. Jacob is next, and his name's got two parts to this, a deceiver and a supplanter. A supplanter is someone taking the place of another as through force, or a scheming one. And that's exactly the role that he will play as the, as the story continues to unfold. Jacob was even holding on to Esau's heel on the way out. Remember, there's conflict going on here. It's almost like he's saying, look, I want to go first. The other baby, I want to go first. He grabs onto the heel and holds on for dear life. And what we find out is Esau is that outdoorsman. He's a skilled hunter, enjoys the outdoors like many people in this room. Jacob was the indoor type. Many would even say that he is a mama's boy. I'm going to ask that question this morning. Do we have any mama's boys in the house this morning? Come on, don't, don't be, there you go, there's one, bless you. I, look, I am one, and I am, I'm incredibly proud of the fact that I am a mama's boy standing here in front of you this morning. My mom made it super easy for me to be a mama's boy. She had all these wonderful home-cooked meals, lots of love and hugs. She helped me do my homework as a kid, and truthfully, if I look back on that, She helped me all the way through college and probably even a little bit of seminary. Can I also tell you, she makes the best homemade banana pudding ever. That'll make you a mama's boy in a heartbeat. She let me see her follow Jesus. She loved my dad well. Now, you're going to say about this next thing how does this fit? She tore me up when I needed it. That little small lady could do a lot of damage with a (laughs) flip-flop. She was and still is a constant encourager and a prayer warrior, and did I mention that she makes the best homemade banana pudding ever? I am a mama's boy. But I want you to know something today that my mom and dad did not do. They did not play favorites with their kids. What we see in verse 28, let's look at it. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. See, the family dysfunction is beginning to start right here, and it will carry on throughout this story. Now, let me let that settle in on you for just a minute. Because there are times when, even today, there's dysfunction in our families today. And my prayer all week, is, as God has worked in my heart and my life to prepare for today, my prayer has been that if there is dysfunction in this room, in families in this room, and online, is that God would not allow us to leave this space until we deal with it. Let's go on in the story. Genesis 25, we'll pick up in verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew or soup, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew or soup, and he ate and drank and rose and went away. Don't miss these words. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. So let's unfold what's happening here. Esau comes in from the field. The scripture says he's exhausted, and obviously he's very hungry. Jacob is doing what Jacob does, and he's cooking stew, and his brother just says, can I have some of the stew? Now. What brother would not give his own flesh and blood some of what he's cooking? That reveals a lot about where their relationship is right now. And Jacob, ever the wheeler and dealer, agrees to give his brother some stew if he will sell the birthright to him immediately. He doesn't want to give him a chance to think about it, process it. He wants it immediately. Let's talk a little bit about what the birthright is that Esau is turning his back on. The birthright was a very important blessing that was bestowed upon the firstborn son. The birthright meant that the firstborn son received a double portion of the inheritance. He would receive double the possessions, double the property, double the wealth than any of the children, any other children would receive. The birthright, therefore, was extremely valuable. And remember, as we talked about a little while ago, Abraham, an incredibly wealthy man, therefore so was Esau's dad, Isaac. So Jacob, ever the supplanter and the deceiver, is working his way in to rip his brother off of the birthright as that first son. In Genesis 27, the family dysfunction continues. We don't have time to go into this part of the story, but I want you just to see as you go back and read Genesis 27 this week that Jacob and his mom create a plan to steal Esau's blessing as Isaac is preparing to die. So much dysfunction that's playing out in this family. So Esau is in a position right now where he has no birthright, he has no blessing. Remember, the birthright is that double portion of possessions, property, and wealth set aside for that firstborn son. It's a place of high honor now leading the family in place of the father who would be passing away. The blessing... An Old Testament blessing of a father to his son included words of encouragement, details regarding his part of the inheritance, and prophetic words concerning his future. Receiving, listen to this, receiving a blessing from one's father was a high honor, and losing a blessing was tantamount to a curse. So Esau finds himself in a really difficult and challenging situation. He has no birthright. He has no blessing. And in Genesis 27, 41, we find these words. Now Esau hated Jacob. i will stop there for just a second and let that settle in. Hate is a strong word. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. This dysfunction began, remember back in the womb of Rebecca. It's seen throughout the brothers' lives. Esau is thinking to himself that the only path, the only step that I can take next, is to kill my brother. There are some words written about Esau in Hebrews 12, 15 through 17. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Most, if not all of us, find ourselves regularly, regularly in Esau's shoes. We are an exhausted people looking for our bowl of soup. Riches are a big deal to us. Having the best, next best, new thing is so important living in the right house living in the right neighborhood having the right car having the right job all of this becomes must-haves for us these things have become our identity And instead of us as believers in Jesus Christ finding our identity in Him, we have begun to seek the things that really don't matter. We're we're looking for that bowl of soup that will give us something in the right now, and we're missing living in God's very best for us. For us Identity is found in whatever Madison County says is successful. We lose our perspective of kingdom things for the immediate gratification of right now. God, forgive us. God, forgive us. It has to break God's heart as he watches us live for less than his best. And in a pursuit of things that really don't matter ultimately, we find ourselves living like Esau, stepping right into his shoes almost every day, looking for the immediate, the right now, when God's trying to work something in our lives that matters from now until eternity. Now is the time for the brokenness the tears and the repentance. Mark 8, 36 says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? What can we learn from this story? There are many, many lessons in this story. I wanna point out a few just as we start to think about the encouragement step or the step that we will figure out based on what we've taught and talked about this morning, that step that we'll take forward of growth in our faith. The first thing is this, the amazing grace of God. I wish there was a stronger word that I could put there, but folks, the the grace of God is amazing. So many times we find ourselves just expecting God to deliver his grace upon our lives. And I want us to understand today, it's amazing. It was amazing back then. It's amazing today, the amazing grace of God. Esau did not earn his birthright. God had put him by his grace in the position of the firstborn to receive it. And look what Esau turned down. Look what Scripture says he even despised. Listen, God's saving grace is available to you today. You don't have an inheritance in Christ unless you are a child of the one true King. That saving grace is available to you today. The sustaining grace of God is available today for those of you that are walking through a challenging, challenging season. And it feels like every corner you turn, there is heartache and there's pain. There is God's sustaining grace, sustaining amazing grace that is available to you today. You cannot work for it or be good enough for the grace gift of God. You just open your arms and you receive it. A second thing that I would say is a great lesson is our choices matter. Our choices matter. Some of us have the scars represented in making the wrong choices. Esau chose to marry an ungodly Hittite wife and therefore was considered sexually immoral and unholy and living outside of the promises of God. And he sold his his birthright. So I want to ask you this question Are you choosing the soup today, or are you choosing the path that God has given you to walk? In other words, let me ask it a different way. Are you choosing the satisfaction of the immediate versus the long-term plan that God is working out in you? Okay, so let's understand. We live for the immediate, instant everything. But the truth is God is doing something that is more long-term. And that is okay that it's long-term. Allow God to do what only God can do as you just walk faithfully with God. The answer may not come today. The answer may not come tomorrow. But the choices that we make today and walking with God long-term, it matters. It matters for you personally. It matters for your family. It matters all the way through the choices that you make today. I'm so grateful, the next one, that God uses imperfect sinners. Aren't you glad of that? that we don't have to have it all buttoned up and all perfect to stand before God and be used. God wants to take us and put us in places and use us as imperfect as we are. God wants to do that. Isn't that awesome? That's not a burden, that's a blessing, people. We get excited about that opportunity, not perfect, but saved and blessed. And under God's grace, step into the opportunities that he gives us. Jacob was a very, very, very flawed man. A deceiver. Yet watch this. He makes it into the hall of faith in Hebrews eleven twenty-one, 21. Not because he was a good guy. He had faith and God used him. And God chose Jacob to carry out the promises that he had made to Abraham and to Isaac. So in Genesis 32, I want you to see how this plays out. Jacob's family moves across the stream, and verse 24, it says, And Jacob was left alone. because of his hip. You see, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, which means strived or wrestled with God. God knew that Jacob had not been perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And aren't you excited today that God can use imperfect people? Absolutely. God promised Israel, Jacob's new name, that the blessings that had been pronounced upon Abraham's head would be his also. So I told you a little bit about me earlier that I'm a mama's boy. Let me tell you a little bit more. So at the age of 11, my, my grandfather was my pastor. And God had been doing a work in me, um, just prompting me toward salvation. I was, according to my parents and my family, I'd been asking the right questions. It was 11 years old in vacation Bible school and I remember the day that I made that trip down the aisle and I met my grandfather there. And he took me and he prayed with me and he led me to Christ in that moment. So what happened on that day? I mean, it's something radically change in an 11-year-old little boy. Well, what happened is I became an adopted son of the one true king. An heir of Christ and forever a part of God's family now and later in heaven. My identity changed. God did a work, listen, God did a work in me that only he can do. While I was still Jay Fletcher... My forever or eternal status changed. My heart changed. As an 11-year-old, I went from being an enemy of God, driven by selfishness and fear, to a newly reborn adopted son of the king. Part of God's family now and later in heaven as an heir of Jesus Christ. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that's your story. Why do we settle for less? Final thought, living for the gratification of the moment is just as real today as it was when this story unfolded. We, we can't flash by that because y'all, that's where a lot of us are living life right now in Madison County and beyond. We live in this moment. Give me whatever it is I need in this moment. And y'all, it's even filtered its way into our spiritual life. We look at God and we tell God we need this and we need it immediately. God, help us. That's not what God is. That's not what God desires to answer and deal with our immediate. He wants to work this long-term plan out in our lives. We're on a journey, and a journey takes time. Stop settling for the moment in the moment and start looking at and understanding and realize what God's trying to do in the long term. Don't give it up for a bowl of soup. I want to invite our worship team to come back. And I want, to, I want to show you what this whole inheritance thing looks like in Ephesians 1, 11 to 18. We find these words. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, listen, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What is that? Simply put, it's heaven. A few more details in that for for right now. It's the privilege we have of living in that inheritance, experiencing all that God has for us, living with kingdom eyes for his glory. So I want you to wrestle with three questions. You can take these to your life group, you can process them right now by yourself, or maybe you need to think about these things and talk with someone that you really trust. The first question is is this, for a Christ follower, in what areas of your life do you find yourself living for instant gratification and not allowing the Lord to do the detailed work that takes time that he wants to do in your life? Could it be in your personal life, your family life, maybe your work life? If we are truly going to be a united family of faith, joining Jesus on his mission, it will require every one of us to move away from the things that bring us instant gratification and move toward the slow, deliberate process, becoming more and more like Jesus every day. A second question Is there dysfunction in your family that needs to be dealt with? Dysfunction feeds dysfunction. And it has to be dealt with. Own it. Give it to Jesus and trust the fact that he's big enough. He's got big shoulders. He can handle whatever you bring to him. A couple of values around Broadmoor that fit really well here. We pursue reconciliation. Where where is there a need for reconciliation in your relationships? We also cultivate healthy relationships. We pursue that. We go after that. And y'all, these are not just words on a website. These are things that followers of Jesus go after hard. And that final question, do you have an inheritance in Jesus Christ? Maybe ask a different way. Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you put your faith, your hope, and your trust in Him and received the inheritance and the blessing that only He can give? This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as Broadmoor. Thanks for listening.